0: And good evening and welcome to Scottish Self-Build and Renovation, this special uh, (laughs) Q&A session. My name is Gavin Esmont, I'm one of the directors here at the uh, company. Really appreciate you guys uh, joining us. As I said, this is a special uh, programme kindly sponsored by Scott Frame. This is your uh, opportunity to ask some questions. If you're thinking about doing a self-build project or renovation, or uh, you're just maybe down the road and you've got a few burning questions, this is your opportunity really to get involved and uh, speak to the uh, experts. So before we get started tonight, I just wanted to double check that uh, you can hear us okay and see us okay. We've had a few updates to our streaming channels. So we just want to make sure that uh, everything's working. So if you just want to kind of pop us a wee kind a of comment in the comments field, that would be really appreciated. If you have a question, again, just put it into the comments field uh, as well. We will see it, we'll pick it up, and we will uh, pitch it to the right person uh, on the on the channel. So, um, right. So we are going to get cracking here. By the way, it is recorded, and if you do want to kind of catch up on any of the parts of this project uh, program, just have a look at it. We'll post the link once we are finished tonight. Uh, it'll also get uh, converted into a podcast. So if you're in the car or if you're listening, uh, walking the dog, then that's another place that you can uh, download and listen to these programs. We've also got, uh, I think nine before this and they cover all sorts of things from uh, just getting to grips with the self-build process. We've got water treatment, we've got all sorts of things. So if you have a look at our channels, you'll be able to uh, get a bit more kind of informed about uh, self-build and renovations projects. So bear with me, I'm just looking at my notes and uh, I'm gonna introduce our panel speakers uh, one by one. And then once we get everybody uh, introduced, we'll get them all onto screen and then I'll maximize each uh, expert and you can uh, ask the questions uh, to them. If we do have any questions that cross over various uh, individuals, we'll get them all on screen. So I might be a little bit kind of uh, punchy in terms of how we're doing this. I'm on my own, so I'm just going to kind of give it a shot. So the first person I'm going to introduce tonight is Malcolm Thompson. Uh, Malcolm is the commercial director for uh, Scott Frame. So I'm going to pump him onto the screen here. Hello, Malcolm, how are you doing?
1: Hi, Gavin, how are you?
0: Good, not too bad. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on a, on a rainy Sunday evening. Uh, um, you're <laughs> you're you're based out in Inverurie.
1: Yeah, well, we've actually got um, two factories, one in Inverurie and one in Cumbernauld, um, and then we have some sales offices dotted around the country. So we actually now service the whole of the UK, not just not just the Scottish market.
0: And is it domestic and commercial, or is it domestic only? Um,
1: it's a bit of both. Um, we we service both the, the portfolio class is more the volume builder, um, but the fifty percent of our business is still self build. Um, so less less plots. They tend to be bigger houses, bespoke one offs, um, very high specification compared to, you know, um, maybe your volume builder. Um, so yeah, right across, and we do we do the odd hotel, um, care homes, student accommodation uh, as well.
0: And have you found that during a the lockdown, there's been lots of people thinking about self-builds, maybe bringing the the progress further, the thought process and getting in touch with you guys, have, or have you found it's been completely slowed down?
1: Uh, no, very, very busy. Um, I think people found they had more time on their hands to get through queries they may have had from, um, you know, even planners or building warrant um, people. Um, people then, you know, being able to focus their time on, on moving their ideas forward and their dream home and, you know, having the time to do the do the research and, you know, really get to grips so with it. So we've actually seen the self-build continue all the way through through lockdown uh, and out the other end. Um, it's quite, and, it's you know, quite an exciting so, journey, I
0: guess. It's, uh, I know if I had lots of time on my hands, you know, I guess some people have been looking for a new project to get involved in. It's uh, it's certainly up there with the best in terms of uh, maybe spending that bit more time up front to, to get things right. Uh, do you, do, you, do you get involved yourself or, or is there a team that kind of gets involved in the concept stage
1: um, we have some in-house uh, architects as well as we we also link with some uh, local architects um but we do do some of it ourselves we have our own standard house range which we will modify or adapt um, they don't have to be just bought from as off the shelf as they are uh, they can be modified to suit everybody's individual tastes um or we'll we'll design one from scratch as well but well, we work with a lot of local uh, architects as well um, who, who know our product and are, are um, happy to to support it. Um, it's, good to that that it's good to hear that everyone's...
0: It's good to hear that things are, are are busy and are not being impacted too, too badly by the supply chain. Impacts yeah. probably happened maybe a few months ago.
1: Yeah, I think very early lockdown, it seemed to be steady and then it got worse. I think people are now adapting um, to it and, and everybody's got a supply chain it's not just our supply chain but the supplier t- supply chain have a supply chain and everybody's yeah. beginning to get to grips with it um, and, we're, and we're seeing a more steady um, supply of materials um, maybe taking longer um, than it would have done pre-lockdown but um, we're starting to see it uh, come back in uh, in a bit, bit more order
0: Good, excellent. OK, uh, Malcolm, I'm going to take you off screen. And uh, I'm going to introduce everybody to the uh, to the next uh, um, expert, uh, who we have, Duncan Robson. So Duncan, you're the, the lucky one that's up next. I'm just going to kind of pump you on the screen. I'm going to stop using that word. That's a strange word for you. <laughs>
2: <but>. <laughs> Duncan, Hi. how are you? I'm well this evening. It's pretty dire weather outside. I'm great, yeah. It's good to, be, to be here.
0: you been up to much this weekend?
2: getting ready for Christmas, all I that great stuff. That <laughs> <laughs> well, we watched a Christmas movie last night, so that was a nice start. That, Some that popcorn. Start? Okay. Yeah, and,
0: definitely. And how, 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 do you, how does DWR architecture work during Christmas and year? Do you, do you take a, a break for the two weeks or do you tend to always be looking at your emails?
2: Uh, I try not to look at my emails. Uh, each year, I swear I'm going to stop working before Christmas and not start to the new year. But I always end up, something comes up. But I like to use that time actually just to catch up and the uh, flotsam and jetsam and get that cleared for the year ahead, really. So a lot of the jobs that I can't get to because we're so busy, I'll go and do that sort of prep.
0: And and that's what Malcolm was saying just now. It seems to be quite busy just now. Are you, are you finding the same thing from your side?
2: I am, but there's always that nervousness being... Uh, any kind of business you think okay where's the next job going to come from Um, so that's it's it's always a balance you're always busy you're either trying to get work or you're trying to do work so uh, but right now uh, we're busy in all angles
0: and what what's keeping you busy, Duncan? Are you, are you um, again? Are you domestic, commercial, a mix of both? Of is it new builds? Is it renovations that are going on at the moment? Uh,
2: a bit of, oh, a little bit of everything. We've got a, quite a few self-build houses that we're working on. Um, we're also dealing with some historic properties where we're looking to alter and, and and add on to them. Uh, when you deal with listed buildings, of course, you, you've got to set about things a slightly different way. Um, so, but I enjoy it. I really, I really do. I love doing it. I like the older buildings too. I love sketching them.
0: And have you got a team that supports you or are you just on your own there? Or
2: uh, A combination of outsourced and in-house. Uh, in-house, of course, is a slightly different ball of wax these days. So in-house means that uh, I've got two staff that are working remotely. And uh, we've, we're up to speed now in using Microsoft Teams uh, plus our other remote servers to then talk to each other and... Uh, it's not the same as being in the office, but it is safe.
0: Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's the name of the game just now. It's, it's being able to be work productively, but uh, but also be be COVID compliant. It's it's a yeah. difficult balance, and you just mm-hmm. never know when we're going to be going into lockdown again. It's, it's it doesn't it can't help you in terms of your projects and your planning because that's obviously one of the major. Aspects of, of, of the role that you do. It's, it's I think great. when you
2: adapt, though, it's, uh, in some ways it's improved because I find that uh, meeting with clients who are always a wee bit nervous about going on to some of these things, I think more people are now getting familiar with Zoom. But uh, I quite like it because I've been able to get a good handle on sharing my screen and marking up things on PDF drawings. So I'm able to have a A good conversation make markups and they can look at it Uh, we've started using BIM software which is building intelligent models uh, and it's actually fully three-dimensional so I'm able to rotate buildings and walk people through our designs in a way that wasn't actually quite as easy before so moving with the times it's, it's got some ups upsides
0: definitely technology that's hopefully one thing that we'll be able to cover uh later on tonight so uh Great stuff, Duncan. Thanks so much for that. I'm gonna take you back off screen and uh, I'm gonna introduce everybody to the the next person. Uh, and we have Hamish uh, Malcolm, who was uh, with me a uh, few months ago. I'm just trying to remember when it was. Was it July, I think? Uh, End of yeah. June, Gav. End of June. End of June. Where's the yeah. year gone? It's ridiculous. What's up? Uh, quite a few months ago. And, uh, yeah. and Hamish, how are things with you guys? You're up in Inverness.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, It's been a busy year in the Highlands. Um, we have a lot of uh, just activity with people already based here. Certainly, uh, we've seen a growth in demand and people looking to relocate to the Highlands. Uh, I think there's a concept known as the race for more space. So, uh, Hold on, we'll on maybe sir. to
0: go to the Highlands. You guys have got... The wind, the rain. Oh wait a minute! So we in Aberdeen here, but uh, yeah, no, that's interesting. That says, is, is that an influx from internationally, or, or in, in
3: Um We've we've had one couple who came from overseas, they're expats coming home again. I suppose um, a few people from Central Belt, some from Englandshire. Um, yeah, I suppose as we we're talking about there but you know, people don't have to uh, be in the office working now. They can work on Zoom, Teams. Maybe within a couple of hours in airport. Quality of life. Yeah, the yeah, garden. Definitely. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few buzz points here that have uh, brought people towards the highlands. So, yeah, that's uh kept us busy this year in the estate agency and uh, the financial services side as well. You know,
0: what's been happening in the mortgage world? Has, has there been Aye. any kind of impact by Covid, or is there, has it been business as usual, or any trends emerging? No,
3: not business as usual. Thinking the words of the philosopher, Roman Keaton, it's been a roller coaster of a year of mortgages this year. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's getting better week by week. Different lenders coming back to higher loan to values. Um, steadily, criteria getting easier. I think more so for salary people. I think for self-employed applicants, depending on how your accounts have been hit by this year, um, it could be a longer time to recovery uh, to really get back to what they would regard as their their kind of lending capacity or borrowing capacity, I suppose. Um, mm. But you've got to play the cards as they're dealt, you know. if it's if it's a lender. We we'll looked at second week of March. They're not there anymore. Well, you we just have to. That's not going to change. You know, you have to. put the best way forward for clients. You know, that's been the, the name to, this year, certainly.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's quite uh, quite a scary time, but uh, exciting time as well. I mean, hopefully, we're kind of seeing the the end of uh, what's they're saying the start of the start of the end. So, fingers crossed that uh, the uh, yeah. the vaccine uh, has an impact and we can start to plan uh, essentially. So. Uh, all right, yeah. thanks. I uh, appreciate that, uh, Hamish. I'm just going to kind of take you off screen just now and introduce sure. the next person. And we are uh, lucky to have Neil Walker uh, from the Community Housing Trust. Hello, Neil. Evening, Gavin. How are you? Good, thank you very much. How are you doing?
4: Yeah, very good. Very good. Thanks. Yeah, You're
0: up in Inverness as well? We're well, based up in Inverness as well. That's
4: right, yes. Communities Housing Trust. Um, although we, we do operate throughout the whole of Scotland um, in the various communities but um, my, my role here is the, the self-built loan fund officer. Um, so that's uh, uh, the self-built loan fund, is a Scottish government initiative. Uh, it's a fund that effectively acts as lender of last resort. Um, so where self-builders have been unable to secure, you know, self-built mortgages in the mainstream market, you know, this uh, fund of last resort will step in as a bridging fund. Um, ultimately, it will be available during the build process and is repaid at the end. Uh, most people uh, tend to look to, to remortgage to the market, or they may have uh, an existing property that they're downsizing from and sell that to repay it. So, yeah, have you um, found
0: that uh, quite a few people have been kind of reaching out to you of late. I mean, this is a uh, this is a limited time uh, loan, I believe. Is it? It's it's going to have a a sell by date. Is it next year or something like that?
4: It, it is. Um, the current loan um, comes to an end for applications on the 31st of August 2021. Um, and then there's a further year beyond that for the loans to be repaid. Um, but again, like Malcolm from Scotland was saying earlier, I think certainly early on in lockdown, more folk had a lot more time on their hands and we saw a lot more activity. And that was very encouraging. Um, and it allowed loans to be pushed through a bit quicker with, with people with more time. Okay, they were maybe slightly constrained by, you know, That their partners and professionals, um, you know, having to work remotely as well, but um, we saw a really good positive buzz about the place, so that was good to see.
0: I think. Do you think it's one of these uh, these um, loans that will be extended, um, or do you think it's going to be a hard hard stop next year?
4: Uh, We would like to see it extended. I think the the demand um, that we've seen for this loan and the number of um, individuals and families that we're helping. Um, I think the evidence is there, um, and we will be obviously making a, a strong case to have this extended. Um, I mean, obviously we, we ran the pilot scheme for three years initially, and then we're awarded the, the, the current loan fund, which is nationwide, so it does cover the whole country. Um, and we are seeing applications and loans going out, you know, throughout the whole of Scotland, from the Northern Isles down to the border areas. So um, it has it is an important part of the self built market just now. Um, and it's something that myself and Hamish have often talked about, and we've got some mutual contacts there as well. So, um, yeah. Um, like a, it's a
0: terrible, too. Terrible, to You guys get <laughs> together. It's going to be finance. I think it would be an interesting kind of prospect for people that are actually on that journey to find finance. There may be an opportunity for a midpoint between you uh, and the traditional forms of, of finance as well. You just um, that would be... Uh, interesting to find out a bit more about uh, later on in the program. So uh, thanks very much again, Neil. Appreciate okay. it. Uh, Thank you, Gavin. Next, we've got Bodim. Uh, Bodham uh, is joining us from uh, uh, Home Energy Scotland. I am just trying to find him here. There we go. Found him. Hi, Bodham, How are you doing?
5: Hi, Gavin. Good evening. How are you doing? Good,
0: thanks. Thanks for joining us tonight. Where are you based? You're, is it Blair from So everyone?
5: I'm based in uh, Preffin and in uh, Blair Gowrie, just at the uh, the foot of the Cairngorms, so uh, yeah, quite a broad area, of Perth and Kinross that we have to uh, have to deal with, but uh, yeah, lovely scenery, lots of houses, interesting, um, keeps me on my toes.
0: <laughs> and you, have you been curtailed? Have you been uh, kind of handcuffed to the um, to your office, or have you managed I'm, to get out and about?
5: Well, I actually work from home anyway, so it's not too much of a change uh, with regards to my job, but... Um, the only change at the moment is because of the, uh, the COVID and the different levels that we have at the moment from going from a level three at the moment. To, uh, unfortunately, it's only telephone advice and sort of remote advice that we uh, can offer at the moment With um, until we get to uh, a level two in Perth and Kinross We won't be able to go out and do home visits, which is, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to get out and about to, to visit people's houses. You see so many different things and... Uh, yeah it's uh, certainly enjoyable
0: fingers crossed it's uh, not so not so long to wait now until we can get back out into the real world and uh, seeing because i guess a lot of the work that you do you have to touch and feel the actual property to understand exactly where home energy scotland can can benefit um, well this
5: is it i work. mean there's there's always a, a benefit when you're viewing the property i mean we do have uh, other online things that we didn't have years ago such as google maps and street view that you can look at things if somebody's just bought their house as well um there's often quite a lot of information um from the estate agents if you can look up the uh, property name and address you can find out a lot of information that way the other way as well is by um looking at uh, energy performance certificates online as well so um you can get quite a lot of background knowledge from Um, online which is very helpful Uh, just now without that tool we would kind of be stuck you know so um, yeah
0: and I saw one of the the questions come in earlier on um, about um, I think there's a a loan or some sort of uh, finance package that uh, is that an interest free loan that uh, you can offer for for heat uh, heat technology so hopefully we'll hear about that uh, later on that would be good to hear Excellent. Thanks, Bodum. Uh Again, I'm just going to take you off the screen and I'm going to introduce everybody to the next person, and that is Thomas Lawrenson of uh, TL Tech, and I believe his uh, lovely wife is uh, along alongside him. You're on mute, uh, Thomas. I hate it. I don't want to say that, but you're on mute.
6: <laughs> Sorry. How are
0: you doing, Thomas? That's all right. Not a problem. How are you doing, guys?
6: Not bad.
3: Awesome. Good. Thank you. Yes. Just, Thanks uh, very much for joining us.
0: You were playing judo or the kids no, were playing the judo? the kids. Okay. Well, I was thinking that could be kind of a good family kind of out But uh, is that local? Is that local to you guys? You're in Inverurie as well, I think?
6: Just outside in brewery, yeah. Rothy Norman. So just at the Sports Centre in Inverurie. So that was our last session before Christmas.
0: Bruh, just uh, that's the second time that's been. We're not mentioning Christmas again tonight. That's that's oh, yeah. the rules for tonight. I'm only kidding. Yeah, I'm a big Christmas fan actually. To be honest, I was looking at your app. You you, post, you posted a video a couple of days ago about uh, about the the smart apps that you've got in the house. There that you can switch on and off the Christmas lights. You can basic control everything have you got one for the microwave on that app you know you can switch it on and off the microwave or is that is that to come no, we
6: haven't really <laughs> done the kitchen have we the living room is very very smarted kitchen's one room have not touched yet
0: it's quite incredible though in terms of technology and, and you guys have got uh, you've just finished off your crowdfunder for a, um, a project you're working on as well and hopefully if we get a bit of time at the end we can uh, um, have a have a dig and see how you're doing with that as well so well done, guys! You are pushing the the boundaries of technology, which is fantastic. So, ultimately, uh, anybody that's thinking about uh, home tech, you guys are online. Uh, feel free to post any questions uh, for any of the panel. Uh, home tech is is pretty much one of those things that uh, it's not just about the the nice things. I think uh, one of the the webinars that we did previously was all about the wiring, about getting hardwired versus wireless uh and i learned so much in that in that 45 minutes it's uh, quite incredible i didn't realize that uh, there's all sorts of interference things going on and uh just some considerations that if you just know a little bit of information at the very start of a project it really does reap rewards and probably saves you quite a bit of cash throughout the whole project so hopefully we'll hear more about that as well uh and i didn't actually flash up your uh, contact details so i'm gonna. There we go. Happy days. Uh, so tltextmark.com. Uh, and I will basically pass back on to the next person. Hopefully we'll get a chance to speak to you guys uh, later on in the programme.
5: Thank and you. And
0: we are now away to talk to Ben Trotter, uh, who is the last person, uh, by no means least. Let me just kind of fire him up on the screen here. Hi, Ben. How are we doing?
7: Uh, not so bad, not so bad. Last, but uh, reminds me of school sports day, which was my regular position coming in last.
0: <laughs> well, if I was at your school, I'm sure you wouldn't be last, that's for sure. So, how are we doing tonight?
7: Oh, very well, thanks. Very
0: well. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I think we were talking about the weather earlier on, weren't we? It's kind of just ding and doing.
7: The windows have stopped rattling in the panes, so that's that's an improvement just in time for going live. So,
0: But to be honest, it's uh, it's your it's your bread and butter, isn't it? Water. I mean, let's face it, you know, if it's going to be
7: ding and doing when it's pumping it out the ground is our bread and butter when it's pouring through my kitchen ceiling that's not really quite my my area of expertise but uh but yeah it's it, it is actually rather ironic because in all seriousness you've got we've got it coming down in buckets out the sky right now but the reality is we are having you know one of the biggest water shortages we've seen you know in history i mean it it, it is such a weird contrast when you're Look out the window the last few days, and yet, if you actually go on things like CEPA's website and look at their water scarcity report, it might be coming out the sky you know at, you know at ninety miles an hour, but it's not staying in the ground at the moment. We haven't had for a couple of the last years consecutively, we've not had really the consistent level of rainfall. More importantly, we've not had the consistent snowfall, which then over the year, you know, over springtime, certainly it melts, recharges all the the surface uh, based aquifers. So for people with things like wells, springs and on a larger scale, you know, even things like mains water reservoirs, you know, there was a thing I think we spoke about it the last time I was on. Uh, there was an article in the BBC News uh, in sort of like autumn, summer 2018 showing that certainly in England, for example, they were having water shortages because reservoirs aren't refilling. Um, and while private water is primarily what we, well, is what we do, um, it, you know, it's something that even, you know, big companies, Scottish Water and stuff will be, have will be, you know, facing that struggle of, uh, of water scarcity as well. So anything we can do, you know, helping people develop springs, wells, obviously we drill boreholes as well. So we can help people where their water supply has flat out failed them, or they're in an area, you know, probably quite relevant to this. Um, Think about what uh, the other participants were saying, like the architects and Scott Frame about designing new builds. Quite often, you've got a lovely scenic location. You know, if you have, uh, as people have said, relocated to the Highlands, you could be in a place where, you know, there's no mains water. You've maybe got a tiny wee trickle of a burn nearby or a weak spring. You know, it's it's not reliable. So we can come in, help establish a brand new water supply with a borehole and, and get people fully independent and uh, with a consistent supply.
0: Yeah, and I think someone's asking a question about that, actually, about... Um... About the various kind of, um, I'll, I'll find it on the on the list of, of, of comments in the few, But there was someone asking a question about whether they should uh, just go straight for the mains, or whether there's an opportunity to look alternatively to that as well. So we could probably touch yeah. on that when we get down to down to his question. So <laughs> excellent. Okay, well there you go. That is the introduction. I'm just going to one by one put everyone back on the screen. Everyone needs to behave. There we go. All right, great stuff. Um, So that is your panel of experts for tonight. Uh, Thanks very much again for joining us. Feel free to post any comments you have, any questions you have in the comments feed and we'll uh, tackle them one by one, but uh, no better place to start than at the top here. So uh, we have various questions. I'm gonna try and distribute them evenly. Across the panel nothing worse than sitting there and not getting talked to um i was going to hopefully have some people will kind of jump in with their kind of viewpoint as well but i'm just going to start at the very top here so uh this one is about plot finding. so suggestions for how to find plots rather than raking about on property sites um oh who would be best placed to talk about that? I mean, I'm thinking Duncan, maybe Malcolm's got a viewpoint on that, I'm not sure. Maybe uh, Hamish and, and Neil from uh, from up north as well. Has anyone got any thoughts on how you find plots? I mean, I've been there myself, I've kind of just driven around, I've literally driven around, thought where would I like to live? And uh, I think that's probably from my perspective, it's probably one of the first things I would start with is where do you want to be? What do you want to, what's your life gonna be? I mean, anyone any particular views on that?
2: Yeah, I can jump in on that one. Uh, just this week, we uh, linked up a former client with somebody looking for a plot. As architects, one of the things we do is uh, quite often is, be- is we get asked to get pl- outline or planning approval in principle so that uh, a landowner can or property owner can actually sell a site that's worth a bit more or get the pre-approval, if you like, for it to be developed as a house. And we've done that for a number of clients. And uh, and just like I say, this last couple of weeks, somebody contacted us. They'd looked at the property websites, the SSBC or the, the property or the different ASBC, uh, I should say. And uh, and they weren't finding anything immediately, all the popular re- real estates. So we were able to uh, hook up with them with a, a former client. And, and also, I, we're in a Boyne, so we work with a number of the local estates. So sometimes they sell some things so we can... Uh, be a good eyes and ears for that. Sometimes only to point a client towards or a potential client towards potential plots. The other thing we can do as well, of course, is uh, we're well-placed to assess a plot or a potential plot for people looking. Uh, you can sometimes see a plot or I've talked to a neighbor who says, yeah, I can I can sell you this plot and then have a chat with the architect and yeah, you find there's a few things to check. So yeah, finding a plot, chatting to an architect's a good thing. Local knowledge. One of the things I've noticed is that um, people are looking from further afield to move up to this part of the world so that when there's a lockdown, I think they can go for a walk and come across fewer people, uh, quality of lifestyle. Uh, and they don't have the knowledge. They don't know anybody. So a local architect does. Uh, same as local solicitors. Sometimes they don't post everything on ASPC, and sometimes they have their uh, recommendations on the website, but if you go, go and chat to them directly, they'll know of some other places so that'd be my suggestions speak to local solicitors as well as local architects
0: and i guess that would apply whether you're based in the area or not you could just basically i guess pick up the phone or or, or just do a bit of scouting i mean uh, i guess it, it's one of those things is unless you know the demographic or know the area you know why would you even want to uh <laughs> You know, you should be probably visiting and understanding the whole kind of area first before you even get down that road as well. So, yeah.
2: I think I think those are the people that are mostly trying to find a plot in an area they don't live in, so they just don't have access to that local knowledge, and that's particularly difficult right now yeah. through yeah. travel restrictions.
0: Mm. Are you finding any kind of uh, any people phoning up asking you similar sort of questions? Yeah. Uh, we're... Okay. Yeah,
2: uh, more now than I've ever seen. Um, oh. So yeah, we help where we can.
0: Anyone else got any kind of thoughts about that?
3: No?
2: Mm.
6: Cool. I, just, I think uh, so uh,
3: social media great thing for reaching out and connecting folk, even though they're different part of the UK. You know, it's been useful, and obviously estate agents' websites. You
0: know. All right, good stuff. Um, so yeah, basically, hopefully that helps. Um, yeah, so suggestions for how to find plots. You know. Talk to people local. uh, Just have a look at uh, Google Maps, etc. Just kind of there's all sorts of online tools that you can use as well. Uh, But really, once you actually understand the area where you want to live, it's uh, it's really about reaching out to the locals. Excellent. Local knowledge is the best. Local knowledge. Yeah. All right. Second question we've got here. Uh, Found a plot of land with planning permission already in place. We will be able we will be able to finance the build ourselves, but can't afford the plot possible to get mortgage for the land only. It's maybe one for you, Hamish, is it?
3: Yeah, the answer to that is yes. Um, you knew it was a bad camera, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> lenders would still like to get a feel for the overall project though. So there will still be steps whereby you've got to talk the lender through obviously the purchase of land, that's quite straightforward but lenders don't want to go almost halfway with you so even though you're able to roll with your own money to get to the build stage you also still need to go through getting your build costs onto a bit of paper onto the lenders fact find um and flesh out the costs. so the answer is yes but it's a little bit more complex than that frustratingly as well but that can be done
0: And is that something that, uh, maybe Neil, I don't know if you can lend any light on this, but is that something that uh, the loan fund would would entertain as well?
4: Absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, we come in as effectively lender of last resort. um, But if the mainstream market had declined for any reason, um, this is certainly something we can pick up on. Um, We'd have to come at it a different way because in terms of the, the Scottish government criteria for this is that the land would have to be owned outright. So, this may be something Hamish was touching on there too. So, the funds that, that this um, question has in place would need to buy the plot. And then the fund could be used to build the house. But as Hamish has already said, you're looking at an overall picture. So, you've got your, the cost of your land and the build cost and all your professional fees is what I would term to be your development finance. And from that, you've got your own deposit to fund your portion of it, and then you're looking to borrow the balance you no, absolutely possible to do either. it sounds
0: like the key here really is just to pick up the phone and chat through i mean there could be all sorts of other kind of scenarios that are behind this and i think to to, to ask the question there could be all sorts of other influencers here that uh, really just pick up the phone and have a chat uh, as early as possible uh, in the process
4: that's the key phrase Gavin: as early as possible
0: as early as, i think that's going really to come up quite a lot tonight actually it seems to have done a done in the last kind of uh, nine sessions. It's uh, get get as much information and as much knowledge as, as early as possible. Sometimes you get too much information to become a Google expert, but ultimately, if you've got a nice network of uh, people around about you, I think that's key to to, to hopefully mitigate problems down the line. Yep. All right. Uh, excellent. Thank you. Uh, I have a question for, I think, uh, Malcolm. Well, it says for Scott frame, actually, so it uh, probably clearly is for Malcolm. So how quickly does cost go up for a custom design versus an off-the-shelf design? So uh, I guess we're talking timber kits here. Uh, I, I assume that there is various kind of uh, scenarios where you can uh, purchase a, a design off, off the shelf, and then if you want to tweak it here and there, whatever a tweak means. Uh, but yeah, is that a question that can be answered, Malcolm?
1: So, yeah, certainly, Gavin. Um... I think so that the house ranges that we have are all available to be changed and and modified um and the 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 level of cost associated with that is dependent on how how much change that we're going to make you know if we want to extend it slightly or make it slightly wider or deeper or or whatever then those are not going to drive the the, the costs up significantly if we're going to completely change the the structural um element of the building by the changes, then that, that has a bit of more of an impact. Um, and it would be a very similar, if you were probably, um, Duncan can mention this as well. Um, but you know small changes might seem small, but have a, the big impact. Um, so if we, we want to just remove a wall, which is the structural wall of the way the design of the house is, then that's a, maybe a small change in the eye of the customer. But it's significant to the design of the build. Um, you know, it, the, the, as as you know, it's very windy in Scotland, so there's a there's a structural element called racking that we need to deal with, which stabilises the building in its in its form. And and they are notoriously the walls that need to be removed when somebody wants to open out their their living, dining, kitchen area. Um, and then we need to 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 maybe introduce some sort of structural elements to 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 replace that racking that that's what would drive up the cost Um tweeting the size or, you know, the length of the building is not going to be huge. And um, and, and depending on how minor wouldn't have an impact at all, it would be it would be taken up within a, a an element of the of the fee structure, which yeah. I would say we set out from the very beginning as well.
2: Yeah. I think, um, in my experience, it's not so much how quickly does cost go up, it's the cost will change as soon as you change any aspect of it. Um, theoretically, you could take a standard design and say, can I make it slightly simpler, which is unlikely, but it's possible it can go down. Um, most uh, kit manufacturers that I've ever worked with, and that's internationally as well as here, um they've refined their product pretty well to, to get a very good balance of value uh, and economy. Um, one of the things that you're trying to do when you're doing a self-build usually is you're wanting to improve the quality in some way or another. And that often does mean, you know, especially this part of the world, making a brighter, more open space. Um, and, you know, he's it's, it's quite right in that it just depends on what you're doing, if it's going to be a major structural change um, or not. And the other, so the fundamentals for costs are usually um, how big is it? And what is the quality of things you're going to put in? There's quite a difference in price between uh, uh, an economical window, for example, and a Passive House certified window. But there's a value to both. So uh, yeah, that's what I would say really. The cost will usually go up a bit from the most economical design, but not that much necessarily but you're going to live in this building a long time. So the value is is definitely worth doing. And I must say, Scott Frame, I think, are about the best firm out there for being approachable to say, I've got a bespoke design. Can you put a kit together for me that would work? And they're great. They do. So a great thing, I think, if I was looking at the most economical ones uh, for doing a self-build, an off-the-shelf is usually cheapest Um a slight change to uh, an off-the-shelf is second cheapest, and then you're a bit more expensive again for doing a complete bespoke design. But the values in each are all different. The value, of the home you'll get tailored to suit yourself, is probably far greater than the difference in the actual kit cost.
0: Yeah, and the key thing you said there is, you're going to live in the house for a long time, so you know there may be opportunities to scrimp and save, but it actually might have a a, a compromise. <laughs> A lot more in terms of value um, yeah. and enjoyment.
2: Well, I used to say to people uh, when they said, "Oh, I don't want to spend any more money," you know, and it's or not any money. It's like, "Oh, can you get a return on investment quite quickly?" And and I said, "Well, how much t- how much do you spend on your last holiday?" And how much time do you spend in your home? And the dynamic of that's really changed because uh, clearly people aren't going on holiday as much, but apart from anything else, they are now spending a lot more time in their home. So that value of having a quality interior environment and a bit of landscaping has gone up, I think. Not the cost, but the value of it has.
0: Absolutely. Yep, that's uh, certainly with lockdown as well. I mean, we're obviously kind of spending probably ninety-five percent of time in our houses at the moment. It's uh, it's it's important. Hopefully, that uh, answers that question. Um, let me just kind of scan down here. Okay, so maybe one for you. I'm gonna. I've got one for Duncan, but I'm gonna scan down. Let's get someone else on. Uh, let's see what we've got here. That's uh, sc- Scott Frame again okay um how do we go how do we go finding out how to get connected to mains or whether we should be looking at private supply and what does that entail so maybe ben that probably sits quite nicely in your camp
7: yeah um i will say quickly for some reason just in case i drop i'll rejoin for some reason everybody's going super slow and i think it's already kicked me out a couple of times since we've been started so apologies if it interrupts me um so in terms of whether you go with mains or private supply, I mean, quite often the the plot of land, if you're building a new home or the existing property, if you're renovating, that may well already be dictated. Um, it might physically be that the main supply is, is too far away. Um, and while in a lot of situations it might be possible to connect, but it's just not going to be financially feasible, uh, the cost involved, it, it's we've been in situations where people have been quoted, you know, upwards of 20,000, 30,000 pounds in some extreme situations where they've got to get the house connected up to the mains. Even then, even if you can get mains water, it might still not be the best supply available. Um, case in point, we've had a customer uh, recently who was building a lovely new house on top of the hill and they did actually the work all ready to go for mains. But obviously Scottish water are only required to provide one bar of water pressure at the point at which the spur line comes off the mains supply up to your house. So they might, you know, we worked out they would have had one bar of pressure at the bottom of the hill. But by the time, you know, they were like 450 metres, you know, at a very steep angle up this hill, they would have had no water pressure. So in in that instance, they had the option of mains, but they are going to go down the route of a private supply simply because they can have it located near the house and there's much better pumping options available. Um, Private supplies also, there might be other factors involved that dictate which one you go for. So a lot of properties, particularly in Scotland that are already on private water supplies may well be using an existing well or spring. Um, It's very, very common. In some cases, it will be a plot where there's nothing. Um, You know, there's no well, no spring, not even a burn. And then really it's it's sort of up to the up to the customer. So we will you know help them develop any particular private water source. If depending on their budget, it might be more preferable for someone to initially say just sink the concrete rings, maybe about 10, 12 meters, and just have a surface water well. That is certainly one of the cheaper upfront initial costs. But what we tend to find is um that as time goes on because any water that's flowing through the surface soil it's going to be subject to seasonal changes um as an example obviously you know if, if you're near agricultural land certainly in the springtime and summer you get a lot of fertiliser, a lot of nitrates being dumped into the ground and anything that can get through the ground will leach into your well water supply so it's it's an option to have a well, but you might find that over the course of its lifetime, while it was cheaper up front, you're constantly year in and year out. You're paying for a higher level of servicing and maintenance because the system is coping with changes in uh, spikes in water quality. Um, and also, you know, you, you do have this issue that we kind of touched on in my introduction where we're finding there's not recently groundwater retention is is struggling lately. It's It's flowing away. It's not, you know it's not being stored in the surface soil. Right. So one of the other options, which initially admittedly is a higher upfront cost is, is having a borehole. hole. So in terms of how do you get connected and, and where do you go? You could literally just pick a spot and we'll drill there. So we're very, very fortunate in Scotland that we live in a part of the world where there's a, a, lot, a lot of ground, a lot of water in the bedrock, sorry. Um, and so there are different ways you might decide where to drill, but we can literally drill any, anywhere as long as it's not within five meters of a structure and that's mostly just for we need a certain space around the drill rig for safety um and it's out with 50 meters of like foul water soak away of a property so that's something that you know if a customer is building that's we like to liaise at the very beginning um with with the architects and something that has already been mentioned once with uh with regards to when you start looking at things that, for instance, with Neil and stuff is like, you can't do it too early. And as, as we've touched on before, we quite often get people coming to us. The house is 80% done, the soakaways, the wastewater treatment, everything's in place. And then people finally come to us and say, all oh, right, by the way, we need water. And if you leave it till too late, it can cause so many problems because, you know, We've been to sites where the architects already designed where the foul water soakaway needs to be. And because of maybe where the well is that people are wanting to make use of, you can't use it because SEPA will not allow you to utilize a private supply if it's too close to the foul water soakaway. So, kind of basically recap, and if you want mains water, contact Scottish Water. Um, if you want private supply, <laughs> um, contact ourselves. And if you've got an existing supply, and we can do so many different solutions to make use of it tanks, booster pumps, treatment systems. Or we can drill a borehole and provide a, you know, hopefully find you a much more viable, consistent supply, you know, that can be drilled literally almost anywhere on site provided. We can physically get the drill rig on it.
2: If I could uh, maybe jump in a bit too. I'm sort reading the question, how do we go about finding out how to get connected to mains? Um, on a Virgin, this probably applies to a Virgin site, I'm guessing, uh, since they don't already know if there's not water already there. Um, at the early stages of a site like that, you can do a utility search for a fee of about a, between £100 and £200. You can find out where all your local utilities or nearest utilities are, and you'll get a map that shows drainage, uh, water, power, telephone etc and that's money well spent early on in the project and uh, if there is a reasonably adjacent uh, water supply scottish water you apply to and it's a a pretty straightforward process although they're not very quick to respond and they take their time so allow three months for them to just get back and give you an answer um so that just adding that in there
0: is that something that you know, anybody can do? Is that like a website or something that people can check? or do they have to? The,
2: There's a number of uh, providers that um, – the names escape me at the moment – but there's a number of proper uh, providers there that can do utility search for you and they'll charge a fee and then they'll provide you with a map that or a plan, if you like, that has the different services you've asked for uh, shown on it.
0: Money well spent again, isn't it? Again, there's a theme occurring um, – in terms of doing upfront uh, investigations. Okay, how much it cost to get, uh, right. Thank you for that. Let's just have a look. What else we got here?
6: <clears throat>
0: I'm gonna try and find one for Bodum. Da-da-da. Here we go. Okay, question for Home Manager <laughs> Scotland. Uh, we heard that there is an interest rate loan that we can apply for towards our heating in a new build how can we find out if this applies to us? Um, is that something that you can help with, Bodum, or is that-
5: Yes, yes, for sure. <clears throat> um, I mean, as long as they um, own the plot, and it is, that's uh, obviously if they're doing the self-build or new build, um, and obviously depending on which technologies they're looking to install, um, we can also help with regards to which technologies might be suitable for the property, whether it be solar PV, ground source heat pump, air source heat pump. Um, With self builds, because they're so well insulated, there is much more options in what you can do in terms of um, installations rather than a a retrofit, um, because you've already got a good base on that. Um, But with regards to the loan and what's available, there is the um, the interest-free loan uh, through Home Energy Scotland and with regards to different technologies, um, if you're looking at perhaps uh, solar PV panels you would be eligible for a, a £5,000 interest-free loan. Looking at solar water heating again, um, you're looking at a £5,000 interest-free loan. And um, One of the new things which we have uh, or about to introduce um, just before, uh, quite, quite shortly, um, is uh, an enhanced cashback. Certain heat technologies are also getting an enhanced cashback. Um, things like uh, a ground source heat pump, for example, you can, at the moment, you can currently get a 10,000 pounds interest-free loan towards the cost of in- installation, but the uh, with the new enhanced cashback coming out soon, you will be able to um, claim £7,500 towards that. So um, that leaves a remainder of uh, £2,500 of a loan to pay off when you've had a £10,000 interest-free loan. So that's uh, quite Just quite a, a so cashback uh, um, element of
0: that. How, how, how does that. how does that work? I'm
5: So the cashback, basically, once the system has been commissioned and installed and you've had offer of the loan, um, once you've had offer of the loan, you then go and get the system commissioned and installed. And once it's been installed, you then send the invoice to Home Energy Scotland Services Delivery Team who deal with all the loans. Um, They will then um, basically release the funds into your bank account. <clears throat> which will uh, then allow you to put the money towards um, paying paying the installer um and then there's a direct debit set up um, for you to pay back the loan but that that's uh, at that point um you know the seven and a half thousand if you went for a ground source or an air source heat pump would be uh, wiped off that. So that's the enhanced cash back. And then you would only be uh, left with the two and a half thousand to uh, uh, to pay back. But obviously with a ground source heat mm-hmm. pump, I can vary in price, anything 20, 30,000 pounds. So but at the end of the day, um, having an interest-free loan and having um, an enhanced cash back is, may, uh, may influence your decision to go with a, a more greener technology than, you know, um, old fossil fuel, mm-hmm. oil or gas.
0: You know. So it sounds like there's quite a lot involved in that, so um, probably worth uh, getting in touch with yourself just to kind of, um, I'm going to flash your details up, uh, and I will do it for everybody, but um, just so that uh, they can get direct on. Is it yourself that would deal with them, or is there someone else at uh, Home Energy Scotland?
5: Well, this is, um, it's Scotland-wide, Home Energy Scotland, so there's five, mm-hmm. there's a whole network, so it's, uh, although I'm based in, uh, Blair. For Gary and Ross, <clears throat> we cover all council areas, um, and uh, yeah, if they, if they phone from their area, the the zero eight zero eight number behind me. I don't know if you can see that, but uh, if you if you phone that number, they will uh, get to the nearest advice centre that will then direct them through to the appropriate person. Um, automatically, they will get through to the telephone team. And subsequently, if they require further in depth, more in advice, uh, and with myself being an in-home specialist, that then gets directed in a queue towards myself to deal with. So yeah, um, that's, that's the way it works.
0: Okay, great, thank you very much. Uh, tech, smart tech, I wonder who can give that one to. Uh, we've got one about uh, about, internet going down let's uh, see what this is all. what happens if our internet goes down does that mean that we wouldn't be able to access the smart technology or are there backups question uh, mark i'm not sure what it means by backups but um so i i guess the questions regarding I, i'm not up to speed on on smart uh, you you obviously know exactly what you can and can't do with smart technology but i'm assuming that uh yeah, this is can you can you control your heating and, and things like that is there anything that would be critical and um, would require your internet um and if that went i know that my garage door if the power goes off i of get the garage door it'll go down or up <laughs> that's as far <laughs> as my smart technology goes in this house but uh it's
6: yeah, it just depends on what type of smart tech you you're putting in and what, what you're talking about. Most of these systems, like that heating systems and that, will have an element of local control, so so they'll work within the home without the internet being there. But if you obviously want to operate it from outside the house through an app on your phone, you won't be able to do that if your internet's gone down at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that depends on what technology you're putting in, and and because there's yeah. certain things that you can get local control on more than others, if that makes sense. But I mean yeah, it just, like, yeah. you can also get the uh, routers that have a, a sim card in them maybe for for a backup so if the if your hard line internet is going down it can switch over to to the four G signal or or that type of thing. But they obviously cost a bit more money again and then they're not that popular but yeah.
0: But for I guess the, time, so the, the internet so the internet pretty much sounds like it's only if you're going to try and control anything from within your home, which doesn't sound like it's critical. Uh, I guess if it's if you're in the home, there's probably some sort of override that you can uh, you can control locally uh, for yeah, whatever I mean, it is you're, you're going to do. Obviously, things like
6: smart speakers and that type of thing—they're they're not going to work if the internet's gone down because they're relying on the, the cloud interface. It's a pretty dumb box without the internet, but. As you say, for heating control and that type of thing, you know, obviously it needs a, a local element to it because if the internet goes down, you can't have your your heating running without being able to switch it off or switch mm-hmm. it on or anything. So, yeah.
0: and just uh, and just while you're you're on the the call, something that uh, you said before, which I found quite interesting, is about uh, trying to again the whole design aspect of self builds. Uh, is trying to understand exactly how you're going to operate your home so if it is going to be a smart enabled home that if you know that up front uh, you get the design to, to really cover that so for example if you were talking to like so duncan for example uh you know if the if the if the the house purchaser or house builder was going to be uh, enabling their home to be to be smart um being involved with duncan at a very early stage about hardwiring the the cabling or whatever it is it's that's uh, required is is, is key because obviously things like power sockets TV aerials now we're talking about network cables in, in the home
6: yeah and, and getting in early is really important as well for the for the design of the wiring system because there's recommended separation between electrical cables and network cables and even electrical and, and your coax for your TV signal and things. Because of interference, so you really want to look at it early to try and find the best routes and design. Because they might end up that in certain areas you you can't separate your cables, so then you have to look at shielding or or some other type of method to to protect them from the interference. So, so, yeah, I like
2: that. so just a question there for uh, operating smart appliances or um, a smart lighting. Are those things that uh, are can be uh, the control mechanism or a box, something like that, is within the house, um, or do those require to come to only be fed through the internet?
6: The majority of them will be in the house, so it's so locally controlled, and the box will be in the house. Most of the time, the, the internet element of it comes into to being able to control it from from out with the home, so say you're leaving work to come home and it's cold, you could turn your heating up before you get home or or something like that. Or if you're at the airport on your way home from holiday, you can turn the heating back on before you get there. But, yeah, the the majority of it is there's that local element for the, the main part. Let's say it's just things like smart speakers and things that really need the cloud for them to actually operate at all or streaming services to watch TV and movies. If that was your only system you had in place and you didn't have a TV aerial or a Skydish, then without the internet you wouldn't have any TV to watch. But,
2: Do they still use things Is it like NAS boxes or something like that to download and store your own movies and music locally?
6: I think people still use them sometimes, but it's, it's sort of less common now with the the match streaming available.
0: I'm. I'm told, I am mean, if I, I actually. Sorry. Oh, oops, sorry. No, I was just going to say I'm. I'm lost already. I thought I was. I was down with the kids, but I'm. I'm. I'm clearly nowhere near the kids here. Like. <laughs> I now, thought you
2: were a kid compared to me. <laughs>
0: I'm aging. Aging every week at the moment. <laughs> like we all
7: I mean, work? odd as it sounds, actually, with dealing with water jumping in, actually, there's there's an element of relevance um, that we can have that. So obviously, you know, dealing with like smart technology in a smart home. Nowadays, a lot of the the pump systems we can install, be it the borehole pump or like domestic booster pumps, they're now at the stage where they do have like an element of Wi-Fi in there so that you can, you know, on your phone, you can control your water pump um, and your borehole pump from your your phone if need be. Obviously, if that goes down, one of the advantages we have of, of still making sure you've got, especially in the likes of a booster pump, which is the pump that's actively getting the water pressurized from say the tank or the intermediate storage throughout your house, you know, it's something that if you are doing a self-build, you might not think, well, if my internet goes down, bugger, I can't control my pump. Um, I mean, initially, even if the internet goes down, the pump will stay on whatever it's currently programmed to do. But if you do need to control it, even if the pump's in an inaccessible place, um, obviously if it's a borehole, it's it's a borehole pump, it's down the borehole. Um, If it's a booster pump, it might be in a loft or somewhere that's not easy to get to. A lot of these systems now, as well as having Wi-Fi, we offer them, they come with like a Bluetooth as well. So as long as you've got power, if the internet goes down, you might not have the distance, you might not be able to be at the far end of the property or away from maybe say your plant room, but you can still then go and remotely with your phone or your tablet or your computer, um, depending if it's like a laptop, you can go up to them and you can Bluetooth connect and then still control your pump settings, change them if need to. So kind of... Maybe a bit of a more rare occurrence, but I think obviously it's a lot of people outside of actual electric electrical appliances in terms of leisure don't really would consider that in a self-built water supply might also be slimed if your internet goes down. So we do have kind of that backup there as well with Bluetooth.
2: Give, I've got a question, actually. I don't know if we can do that. Um yes. I find I've got quite a few clients in uh, remote rural places, sometimes not that remote, where the internet signal through the providers is unbelievably poor. Uh, And I've had one client who was able he actually went to a cellular system with a mast picking that up as being his best solution. Do any of you guys come across any of that?
6: I actually, for several months, just used a, a router with a 4G SIM card in it because our internet was so bad. It's, it's improved now, but, but yeah, it's quite quite common. and Certainly up around the Highlands, there's uh, a lot of properties that, as you say, get terrible internet or, or no, almost no internet connection. And- or <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm in I'm being serious. I'm in a remote. I'm just uh, opposite the mains of Drum Garden Centre, and I cannot get internet to save your life. I'm, uh, I'm on a 4G router at the moment, so... Yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy. So it doesn't even have to be out in the sticks. It could be where you would recognise as being relatively central.
6: Yeah, and I think four G, four G, especially at the minute, is, is fantastic. People keep talking about how great it will be when five G comes, but you have to understand that the the infrastructure required to go in for the five G to become available to everybody is, to my mind, still a long way away. But a four G router is better internet speed than then the majority is of us get through a hard line. So it can be slightly more expensive. But again, there's a lot of good deals that just now we with some of them on data only SIM cards. So it's a, I guess it's a real- viable option. What was that? It's definitely a viable option if if you have no other choice to get a, a data SIM card and a, a router.
0: I think, yeah, irrespective of, of where we're at right now, I guess if you're, as you were saying earlier on, Duncan, if you're in the, in the place where you're designing your own home, you'd like to think that that problem will go away at some point. And I'm not going to say near future, but certainly in the future. Uh, and there is, I guess, there is solutions out there, uh, like, again, the 4G routers, 5G routers, whatever they are.
2: Well, uh, what, I, what I think right now, though, too, is that um, although so many of us have been forced to work from home, It's established now, it's forced the use of the Teams or the Zooms and the realization for a lot of companies, actually, you don't have to come into the office. And a key consideration for that to work and for an awful lot of people to say, you know, I'm going to relocate to the Highlands is, can I get a good internet connection? And in a lot of places, you just don't through the traditional hard, hard hardwired way. So, um... I just throw that out there to see if if there's much experience of that, because I think the cellular or mobile signal route is actually one that opens up a lot more potential places for people to relocate to and work from.
0: Absolutely. No, it's a valid valid point. I mean, it's almost up there with uh, designing a home office in your new build. If you're going to be, again, uh, in this new world, which we've been forced down the route of, Trialing that working from home, I, I think it's a positive thing because it perhaps lends a bit more of a life-work balance uh, into the into the, the working day. Uh, if if people are building a new home, you'd like to think that there's an opportunity here to have a, a separate office in your home. I don't know what everyone's thoughts are on that. If people are seeing that as being a valid kind of consideration when they go through the design process,
2: well, we're actually developing a prototype for a proper home office that should be affordable to them, put in your garden, and quick.
0: There you go. Details from DWR architecture.
2: Well, there's a difficulty. I mean, most people have been forced to working from their home, and those that are doing it, will probably be well aware of all the noises. Even if they don't have, even if they don't have young kids, that isolation or separation between work and home life is really quite hard. Uh, and uh, yeah, a, a garden office is a really effective way to achieve that. To feel that I've gone to work, I've closed the door, but when I'm there, you no, know, I'm not disturbed. Uh, and I know I I started off that way myself when I started the practice in 2007.
6: And well, thank you.
2: Certainly, something I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're not <laughs> alone.
6: <laughs> you, you can get, get it,
5: <laughs> especially having having uh, two young children get as well. You can get <laughs> your
6: network cable in there or, or that type of thing, some sort of network signal out there, so not just to rely on the Wi-Fi signal to a garden office. That's almost guaranteed to lead to disaster in the middle of a, a Zoom yeah. call.
2: <laughs> Hard wiring is the best. I actually relied on a TP link, which worked.
0: Obviously, yeah.
2: over. No, not at all. I'm, just,
0: you know, it's, it's, I'm actually in a place where I've got BT. I don't know why I'm paying for it because it doesn't work, really. Um, and I've just got a shared... Um, card thing that you put in your phone uh, with the router. And it works fine. It, the internet works, that's all I need to know really. So as long as it works, if it doesn't go, if it doesn't work, then I start screaming the house down. But uh, we're gonna crack on, we're at five past eight. Um, we've got quite a few questions. I'm gonna try and go back to the start again. Uh, so I'm hoping I'm, I'm trying to cover people equally. So I've got a question here about uh, realistic current cost per square meter for a timber kit house uh, with a basic finish. Uh, self-managed project is that something that we could uh fire to you Malcolm?
1: yeah yeah um how long's a piece of string yeah, I, <laughs> I thought, thought you were going to say, say something uh, like that in some <laughs> regards, and i suppose it depends on where you are um as well and in what part of the country you you're actually building um we when we attended the pre-lockdown when we used to attend um these um self-built shows like the ones we've done with yourself gavin it's a common question, how how much is it overall going to cost? Um, I suppose, pre lockdown, we would have said, or even last year, back in the last year, um, depending on where you were building, what level of builder you were using, etc. Um, and without taking into account any odd, odd utility issues, you could be anywhere between 12 to 1500 pounds a square meter. We're seeing that increased I think you're probably now maybe 1,400, Um, and I think there's, but there, I would still leave scope. um, If you were managing the trade yourself, to 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 drive that down a bit further, but um, depending on what you put into the design, uh, basic finish uh, is is fine from an internal perspective, but it may have lots of glass. It might have, um, it might be vaulted ceiling. It might have. high sound performance um, or thermal spec but for a for a middle of the range um no special utilities in the ground N- decent ground conditions that would be the other one um then anywhere between let's say a middle range between thirteen and sixteen hundred pounds a square meter. So
2: That's enough- cheap <laughs> <laughs> that is cheap. Um, yeah. So we wait, like wait, you- are yeah, we get asked that, or I get asked that all the time. It's like, "I oh, were thinking of doing a building. How much will it cost? <laughs> <laughs> Name your price. I put out a primer, a self-built primer, where I give an indicative size for different numbers of bedrooms of properties and then a cost range. And my lowest price I put in when I'm telling people is, I live for at least £1,500 a square metre. Up to three thousand, because if you're doing a passive house with uh, really high quality finishes, you'll easily get there on a on a small build. Um, that number tends to come down the larger the building. Do you find that as well?
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: So smaller buildings aren't necess- they may be cheaper as a the overall line, but the the cost per square meter actually goes up. But that's, that's my ready reckoner, is look at the size of the buildings, how many bedrooms you're wanting, uh, and just a notional. Start at £1,500 a square metre for budgeting. It's better to budget and have something in your pocket than to start at £1,200 a square metre and find you've run out of money.
0: I mean, is there a, a kinda, again, I, I was having a, a punch at the, uh, the old Google experts earlier on, but here's me. So it's a kind of website that you could go onto that you could punch in various kind of elements of your build. So say for example you're going to be in the Highlands, you're going to have a three bedroom home, you know, layman terms kind of questions about ground conditions etc. Is there something like that, that out there that you could you know someone could get used to what sort of number they should be budgeting for or is there too many too many varieties or too many things that could could impact the the, the cost per square metre?
2: There's not ones you can get on the internet I'm aware of. The British uh, Institute of Chartered Surveyors do have cost indexes for costs of different types of builds in different parts of Britain but you have to pay you pay for that Uh, if you want to know that go to a quantity surveyor Mm
0: -hmm. that makes sense and I'm a quantity surveyor so I'm probably the wrong person to speak about that
2: (laughs) yeah no it's it's, it's interesting
0: because you know you've got two different um Experiences there, you've got. Uh, there's, you could throw a number out there, but there's all sorts of things behind that. You know what I mean? It's it's very difficult to, you know, people can hear a number and then they run with it. You know, unless you're actually sitting talking and people are getting to understand exactly what the project's all about, you you, you could be going down the wrong path completely.
2: They'll usually hear the lowest number and at some point get a bit yeah. upset when it isn't the lowest number.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Great, thank you for that. Uh, hopefully that helps. Uh, okay, let me just scroll back up to top again. Let's see what we've got here. Um, Neil, we've got a question about the loan fund. Uh, it's, it's yeah, this sorry, this was a question I think from the same person that was asking about the uh, Home Energy Scotland uh, fund. So. There's a loan arrangement that we could tap into through the the Community Housing Trust. I think we addressed that earlier on, didn't we? I can't remember if that was offline or if that was uh, when we were on on air. Did we talk about this on on air? The Community Housing Trust loan. I think think they've just heard about the, the loan arrangement and they want to find out a bit more information. I think probably what I'm best to do is put them in touch with you and uh, take that dis- discussion offline. But I think ultimately the principles of the of the loan, that the Scottish self-build loan, uh, loan fund, maybe a, a quick uh, summary of, of, of what that is and, and how long it's, it's valid for. Yeah, so the,
4: the self build loan funds, the Scottish Government initiative, um, it does act as lender of last resort. So, this is for those that have applied to via a broker like Amish or direct to the self build lenders. And if they've been declined, nothing, you know, there's nothing bad against that client. It may be that they just don't fit the criteria of what is a limited panel of lenders. Um, the essential part of the criteria then is that because ours a bridging fund, we also need to know how they'll repay that loan at the end because it is a bridge for normally around about 12 months. Um, As we said, applications closed on the 31st of August 2021, with loans all being paid by August 2022. Um, Up to maximum £175,000 for the build. Um, Build cost will be higher than that, but that's the maximum that we can lend. And the other essential part is that the plot of land would have to be owned outright That was something that was touched on earlier by one of the questions that said they had enough to build the house, but not to buy the plot. So if the the client can use their funds to buy a plot, we can actually release the first charge of funds against the value of that plot because it is an asset they own. Because ultimately, uh, the Scottish government must lend by way of first ranking security. You know, hence the reason the the plot must come unencumbered. Um, But more than happy to take that call um, or an email contact um, offline. And um, I'm seeing my number and the uh, web details and such like across the bottom of the screen there. So, yeah, by all means, make contract and we can have a direct
0: Excellent. chat. Okay. On that one. Um, okay. So, um, so I'm just scanning through just now. Uh, how do we find it? means the cost? Sorry, I'm sure not, uh, sorry uh, Malcolm, you're not getting uh, off the hook tonight. Uh, we've just got another one here, which uh, is talking about uh, how does the cost of an off-site build compared to an on-site build?
1: Um, so parts of it would be, um, well, pre-lockdown and pre-availability of materials and, and pre-very uh, high increases in materials. Um, certain elements of of the the build will be be more cost effective. Um, it's possibly the hidden parts that that don't get picked up in this comparing the the line on a on a piece of paper, the bottom line, as it were. Um, so the 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 risk of doing it on on site is a quality issue. From from I'm taking this as a stick build solution. Um, we've then got. Um, you know, so that so connecting it all, to, all together and the quality of the right timber has been used and the, the, the build quality is correct. Uh, and then the follow on trades, the insulation, um, the, the risk of, of probably taking on a lot of the sizing um, of materials and the quantities of materials um, is a risk that you wouldn't have to do in a, if you bought the, the package um, deal, because uh, that's all done by the supplier uh, in most cases. Um, and then the, 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 warranty of it, the quality, the warranty of the, of the frame and the structure, which comes from a, uh, from the, the suppliers. Um, so whilst on a, on a piece of paper, the bottom line, it might look more cost effective. I think you, you've, uh, there's a number of risks there and I think it, it, it could have an impact on what we're seeing in the, in the, maybe this is something that, um, Hamish could help on as well, that, um, certainly within the structural timber, timber frame industry, comp- showing competency, showing warranty, showing quality uh, is something that's um, uh, asked for now for, for mortgages um, as well. So it's, it's, it, it, I think it decreases the maybe the lenders available. I might, I might be wrong, but I think it might um, if, if you're not a, a registered manufacturer.
0: Hey, Mitch, what's your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think to an extent, yeah, I, mean, to an extent um, I guess it's just going back to really scoping out at the very start what's your project going to look like, what professionals do you want to use, how are you going to bring that project to life, and by no means assuming that every single self-love lender will have the same deal in life. Um, I was going to pitch in there where we talked about cost per square meter before, um, a case of myself and Neil looked at that back in the summertime. Where it in a group of trades guys all going to do a job, working each other's projects, and they actually presented quite a low. Well, it was a low cost per square metre for the lender, who declined it on that basis. It was almost too good to be true, too cheap to be true. Um, the lenders just have their own different perspectives on it, and I don't think you take anything for granted. Is the message on that piece?
2: I, I would just echo the sentiment about the, the quality aspect of off-site building. It comes down to the economy of scale. Um, from an architectural point of view, when something's uh, manufactured off-site, and if I take windows, for example, I'll always specify a factory-finished window because under factory conditions, the consistency of the, uh, the, the, the the component, for example, is just generally higher because it's done in a much cleaner a uh, highly mechanized environment. Uh, on some things, on small projects, sometimes stick build is the only way to do it, just from a practical sense. It's a fiddly old historic building and, and no walls are plumbed in or anything like that. Um, but generally speaking, in my experience, if it can be factory assembled and made, then you, you've just got better tolerances and better qualities of coverage of, of the finishes and so on in it.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Um, you talked about finance there we've got another one here cash reserves um what advice would you give to someone without significant cash reserves who wants to build a a house how does it affect who will lend and how much can be borrowed uh hamish what what do you think
3: about that well that's a scary one for this time on a sunday night uh gents i would say um, yeah, I think everybody around the, the table here, would probably agree that most self-holds run over budget, you know, that's a, a statement of fact. So I guess if we're coming into the table with the minimum amount of deposit, it means there's no room for error whatsoever, you know, at all. Um, it is a scary prospect being stood in the field with the wellies on, looking at a half-ball house, uh, trying to get hold of a lender on the other end of a phone, knowing we have no money to go whatsoever. Um, so yeah I, I think you have to go in accepting the risks on that type of project um, if you were to go on internet you will see lenders there who will do up to 95% of land and build costs it's not a lender I've really used before so I couldn't really tell you how reliable they are once you're uh, once you come to the height Um figures it is what it is can it be done yes it can be done but I think everybody just has to sign up. There's no room for error on that kind of project at all.
0: So it could be uh, some scary times with that. But yeah, that uh, yeah, I must admit that it's it's an exciting thing to do. But ultimately, you want to have as least least stress as possible. I guess and and cash cash is king when you're uh, when you're running 100 miles an hour trying to get the project done. Because I can imagine there's so many different things that pop up that you didn't expect or there's maybe the nice-to-haves that uh, that you really want to be investing your money in whilst you're, you're in construction mode or even before construction mode?
2: Yeah, I always uh, recommend to all my clients on jobs that allow uh, for a contingency sum. Uh, depending on the type of it, if it's a new build, make sure you've got access to some cash of between 5 and 10% because there will be unforeseen. Quite often the unforeseen is the client themselves wanting something bigger or better than they actually can afford. And they forget sometimes that the small little additions and they add up.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, great. Um, I'm just uh, still going down these. Probably have, we, we get comments coming in on YouTube and, and Facebook. So I'm just trying to weed through the ones I've already asked. Just a couple of things, more about finance and and budgeting, but I think we've answered them through other questions. Uh, Fossum, looking at that, we had a a wee comment in there about uh, a microwave Wi-Fi system, which works great if you have a direct line of sight to the mast. Yep. All right. Uh, All right. Right. Talk amongst yourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cost to get. We talked about the mains electric. Um, I'm just looking at the time actually, it's 20 past eight. So what I'm thinking I'm doing is, is maybe kind of wrapping up. I mean, we've talked about various kind of topics here and I think some of the questions are of a, a generic nature. Uh, and I think what we need to do is put people in touch with people after this uh, after this sh- this show. Um, Ultimately there's a theme kind of has gone through this this programme and, and quite a number of the, the, the previous ones as well, which is about engaging with the, the experts um as early as possible. And I'd be interested to find out what people think is the first person that people should speak to. If they're planning a new self build or a renovation project, what who is the right person to speak to? Uh, at the very start, I mean, I'm looking at everybody here, and everybody's everybody's got different networks. Everybody's got different uh, places, but I think ultimately anybody is 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 probably the right answer. If you don't talk to anybody and you try and just re- re- relying on Google, but is the architect the right person to start with? and if so
2: good, i think I'm, so but i'm biased is but, it a uh,
0: provider yeah. and they put you in touch with the architect or is it the the finance people because ultimately the finance people probably say well actually how 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 much money have you got you know until you actually know how much money you've got to play with uh, do you actually speak to the architect or do you do that together it's an interesting one
6: i would
2: say a good architect but do your research it's easy to go to just Gym along the road that does some plans but take a look and see do they are they well suited to self-build yeah, or, or, you know um, because it's from there it's the first idea the first quest like I want to do it it's come up a few times saying how long is a piece of string the architect's the first one it can move you towards that mm-hmm. uh, and saying even without a design you know, I can I, I think the Scott frame pretty good too they'll they'll have uh, standard sizes of That say if you want a three-bedroom or a four-bedroom house, then that's roughly the size it'll be. And from there, you can start to budget. Um,
1: Yeah, I would I would agree with Duncan there. Um, You know, we have a a range, a large range of houses and a large range of specifications. Um, So you can really find out. You know, it might not fit exactly the house that you're looking for, but there'll be elements of it within houses. So there's a broad range to give you an an idea. Um, And once once you've got an idea, and then you start, you've got to start looking for plots because I think um, Duncan will know that people will come and go. I want a house designed, and they don't have a plot, um, you know, so it it's, it could be wasted money um, because they're yeah. they not able to to take that house design to the plot that they then ultimately think of buying. So, yeah, yeah, I think it, they're very closely linked. I think I you, architecture.
2: from first principles of designs, we'll design to the plot which means what's the access, what's south-facing, where are the views, um, although, and then well, what size of a house do you need, what is your lifestyle. Um, and the Scott Frame can fit all those boxes generally, but a, a prototype building doesn't care which way the ground slopes or where the drive access is or where the views are. So it's probably better to say, look at the plot you fancy, you're looking at first and look at what the design elements are telling you and then by all means, you're actually much better equipped then to go to the likes of Scott frame because you'll already know which way you want the views to be out which way you want to point where you want your entrance to be. And you can start looking at the house types that fit that rather than taking a standard house type and say, I'll make that fit a site even though it doesn't.
0: And then once you've got all the component parts, like, for example, you know what uh, budget the timber kit's going to be in the, in the general build, is that when you would then go to the finance or would the likes of Hamish and Neil probably um, argue and say, well, c- go to them first and then they would kind of suggest, right, this is kind of financially where you're positioned in terms of being able to affordability, I suppose it's called. Um, and then that would essentially drive or maybe it's a midpoint you talk to everybody at the same time and just kind of understand all those different dynamics and then be able to have more of an informed decision for for the you know for what you're dealing with. I don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there.
2: It's a, continue, it's a continuous process, actually. There's a the first point of what's your outline budget, and that's early on from speaking to, like, a Malcolm or myself that you'll get a rough idea. Um, but throughout the then process after that, you revisit and check the designs fitting within your budget.
4: I think you absolutely right, Duncan. I think it's to, to use, like, the whole panel that's here tonight. You know, we all play a part in delivering, ultimately, so... Um, there's supposed to be no right and wrong answer to the, 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 yeah. the initial question.
0: Um, everyone's got a part to play. Um, There's so many different things like as well. I mean, even the water supply. I mean, that's quite that that could be quite a significant kind of decision process yeah. in terms of the treatment as um, well.
7: I mean, I was I was debating if I was 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 going to chime in there because obviously, certainly, I do think realistically, the first step is the likes of Duncan and Malcolm. You know, you you've got to actually you know, you don't just pick a plot and then say, right, what house am I going to build here? You have your your ideal house in mind and, you know, you need the likes of Malcolm and Duncan and, and you know, to, to help get that design. But anecdotally, I know how serious water can be. We've actually had more than one occasion customers have come to us and planning permission hinges on there being a viable water supply, you know, and some mortgage companies will actually have conditions that, you know, they might not help fund the project if there can't be, A consistent confirmed water supply because obviously either you know if if you are trying to make use of a lackluster supply or you you maybe have a you know someone's drilled a borehole and it's not been done well or you just haven't got the yield you want then you know year in and year out the cost of maintaining and upkeeping that supply can be you know not unfeasible but it can be extreme and obviously planners will not want to to let you go ahead with a project that's going to be practically untenable so i've seen you know going back to what we were talking about earlier on the earlier you come to us even if you know you come to us at first to help assess a water supply and then you come back to us for the work being done much much later in the day when the, the build is actually progressing or is about to start but yeah I, i've seen I've, I've been talking to lots of customers who you know been left in dire straits because you know they thought they were going to get water sorted and it's completely you know, by not having it done first, it's completely stymied moving forward with the whole project. And even in, in one case, unfortunately, I know a customer had to completely scrap uh, the whole project and, and go look elsewhere and go back to square one, looking for a brand new plot somewhere else.
0: It's, uh, it's quite scary. But one last question that's kind of pipped us into the in the back against the finance one. Uh, so how is the finances released if you purchase the land to start foundations, etc., in advance or arrears? Is that something that's reasonably standard, or is there different dynamics to that as well? Oh, Hamish has gone offline again. So.
4: Hamish, he, he you going to get jump and then Jump it. So self, 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 self. I touched on earlier. On earlier, the podcast.
1: You'll
0: note right. You'll And we can we can release the. Sorry, Neil. A bit. Sorry, Neil. A bit of. Uh, uh, everyone else here? No oh, one okay. else here, not? Or is that okay? Just... I'm hearing that too. I'm hearing that
1: too. Yeah. yeah, I think
3: it's
0: okay. Yeah, okay. Listen, um, listen, um, I think we're gonna are we still getting echo? We still getting an echo, or is it? Just... Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think <laughs> it's, I think it's, uh, I think times to go, think, times yeah. to go. Yeah, time's, uh, uh, listen, listen. I'm, going to try and, I'm uh, gonna try and I'm gonna try copy. Uh, pop- thank you very much, thank you very much for thank everybody. You very much for everybody uh, that, uh, this joined, this joint. I'm, yeah. you, I'm gonna try something. Just try something. I'm just gonna go back in. Go back in.
2: And he's gone. <laughs> and the echoes oh, no, the
7: children have been left unsupervised
2: the echoes stopped so actually I'll jump in could you, pick, could you pick up where you were then about the release of Decent fun? fun some, some, some. yes just
4: another that yes, yes, question
2: i know i
4: know the, the, the echoes back, the echoes back. uh echo's back. guys guys thank you very much
0: thank you very much guys that's 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 and we're gonna cut I'm gonna cut it dead. Thank you very much, thank you very much, guys. Yeah, yeah. thank, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thanks very much, for having us.